Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running international and yet understudied scene. And welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me, Jess Crook, and my co-host, Wes Robertson. Hello. On the podcast today, we're joined by Stan Lyshevsky of Terminal Nation. Thanks so much for making the time to chat with us about your lyrics. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to the uh, looking forward to the conversation. So let's dive right in. Um, how would you describe Terminal Nation's music? What genre would you say it falls under generally? Um, so I would say uh, it probably leans more hardcore. Then anything else, I know we get um, comparisons to grindcore and death metal, and, and all those all those comparisons are fine. We do pull a lot of um, influences from those worlds. I would say that Terminal Nation is a hardcore band that, that leans death metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we certainly did see when we were looking across different articles that have featured you. You've been described in a lot of different ways. I think we've seen grindcore, hardcore, uh, mm. death metal, um, yeah, a bunch of different labels. Even metalcore, I think I saw a couple of times. So. Okay, okay sure. generally leading, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so generally leading hardcore though. Okay, cool. So was was hardcore how you got into metal music or uh, what attracted you to metal in general early on? Yeah, uh, so I would say hardcore was definitely um, like my gateway into, into metal music. Uh, I started off in like my formative teenage years uh, discovering punk rock and through their uh, more aggressive, visceral, hardcore. And then through there, um, I think maybe 2009 or so, um, through more metallic sounding hardcore bands like Weekend Nachos, Integrity, um, Pulling Teeth, stuff like that. I was kind of opened up into, into the death metal world. So then I got introduced into like, like your Napalm Deaths, your Obituaries, Benedictions, Bolt Throwers and things like that. But definitely started more punk. And just got to be more, um, you know, a, a crescendo into more metallic leaning music. When you say introduced, um, how did that happen? Was it just like through searching or did, did your friend group move in from punk into metal kind of circles or? Yeah, so I, uh, I lived, I, I'm not sure how familiar you are with, with the geography of where I'm at, but I'm in um, Little Rock, Arkansas. But in my teenage years, I lived in a suburb of Little Rock, which is like, in the Bible Belt of the United States, a very um, conservative uh, small town. So there wasn't like a group of punk rockers at my school. I was kind of um, the odd man out, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. I, there, there were some like alternative kids who were into like skating and maybe your new metal radio rock kind of stuff. 
So I, I, I vibed with them because they were the closest thing to fit that fit uh, what I was into. Uh, but basically kind of nerding out and, and doing a lot of research online into punk, the history of punk and stuff like that. And from there, I found a, uh, a local scene in Little Rock, but it kind of, I kind of had to actively seek it out. It wasn't like there was just a, um, a punk circle that I could just mm-hmm. join, you know, no, not locally anyway. How, so how did you even, oh, sorry. No, you got how, how did you even like find punk then if there wasn't like a... So, uh, yeah, so I, I think uh, if, if I look back, I, I want to say a lot of it has to do with um, part of the circle of friends I ran with being into like skating and the skate, uh, mm. you know, punk, punk music and skate culture kind of go hand in hand, whether it be, you know, your, your uh, Tony Hawk pro skater video game. <laughs> of course, yeah. Yeah, course. classic. Or, or uh, like your your skate videos, but I would hear these you know, obnoxious sounding, snotty, really pissed off bands on there. And I'm like, yo, I, I, this is the kind of music that I like. And, you know, in your skate videos, they would have the soundtrack um, listed in the credits at the end of it. Uh, or, you know, in, in Tony Hawk Pro Skater game, you would see the name of the bands. And so I'd go online and look for more material from those bands. And then from there, it kind of snowballed. I would see that, hey, this band is on Epitaph Records, Hellcat mm. Records whatever and um in the early i guess in the earlier days of the internet the the early 2000s um a lot of those websites would offer like a down epitaph specifically they would have a free song of the day so every day they would put up one song from their catalog and you could download the mp3 so i would i would do that and then in a week or two weeks i'd have a full burn cd of you know 14 random punk bands and I just put that on my Walkman and, and go skating. So I, I had to do a lot of digging, searching. Um, you know, it wasn't really something that I just kind of fell into locally. I the the aesthetic and the vibe, and maybe the attitude was here locally, but the actual sonically punk music was something I had to actively mm. seek out just from surface level knowledge of like skateboarding. Mm. So was it just the sonic aspect um, of like punk and hardcore that drew you in or did lyrics play a role at all in your initial attraction uh, to the it, genre? It was definitely both. So I, um, I, I came to Arkansas as a, as a uh, young teenager. I did not feel like, you know, I, I felt like I didn't belong here. Um, it, I was in a predominantly white school. I mean, one of the few brown kids, I just, I felt like I didn't belong. I dealt with a lot of, um, I've always been an outcast, whether because of um, ethnic or racial type of things or how I dressed or just being the new kid in general can can be hard. Um, so a lot of those things, I always felt outcast. I always felt like I, I didn't belong here. Um, and there's a lot of that energy in punk rock. And so I really, um, really connected with that uh, kind of being the outsider in society on, in a in a macro level or, or on a micro level just being the outcast in the town that i was in um so a lot of that connected to like sonically lyrically just kind of being frustrated pissed off at the system feeling like you don't belong um i really really connected with with all of that was that true for when you got into the more like death metal stuff as well because like i mean you mentioned napalm death that that I guess punk and napalm death lyrics have some overlap, but you know, obituary is quite distinct from you know, say a, a punk band of what they're doing. Was that more sonic, or did you did you like what they were doing as well? Were you interested in what they were singing? 
Yeah, so I think uh, so. Na- Napalm Death to me is like the happy medium. Mm-hmm. I get I get the um, the visceral like sonic in- instrumentals and st- song structure of like death metal grindcore something. It sounds very very pissed off, uh, but lyrically um, and then you, you know their their subject matter also pulls from a very like a socially conscious. Um, hmm. like being frustrated with the world around them. That that Napalm Death and Bolt Thrower as well are two bands that I that I really um I think in my opinion are per- perfect bands. Um, you know, your obituaries, your cannibal corpses, I, I enjoyed the music, but I I in a lot and and I I mean I'm a fan of of horror movies and 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 things like that, but um you know it it it's not my my go-to in terms of like like if I were gonna sit down and, and write lyrics, I probably wouldn't go to um, you know k- killing X person or or a lot of that a lot of that just feels real tired, real tropey. It's just, it's not mm-hmm. something that that I can connect with a lot. Whereas uh, you know Napalm Death, even if it's um, told in a more metaphorical fashion. Um, I can connect with that a lot, a lot more than I could with uh, more gory and violent uh, lyrics and death metal, if you will. Mm. Did it feel tired and tropey the first time you encountered it, or is that like you're feeling now? No, well, no. So, um, I mean, I think it it was fine. I, to to be honest with you, I think my discovery in, or my introduction into death metal like i liked it because it was just so much more intense than some of the punk and hardcore that i was used to and then i i but you can't i mean it, it, a spade calling a spade a spade mm. you can't understand the lyrics anyway um <laughs> but when you when, when you dig a little deeper and find out that the lyrics are about you know killing women and i'm just like oh, i'm not with that i i don't mm. i don't really connect with that or or even um just a lot of gory stuff it it just uh at first i was cool with it because i really didn't know a lot of the um the deeper below the surface uh lyrics of of death metal bands i was just like oh this is this is cool and some of it's cool like one of the first bands that i was ever ever introduced to i remember was at at the skate park here in benton and a dude put on um the black dahlia murder Mm -hmm. and this song specifically was uh closed casket requiem mm-hmm. which i think maybe from from their second album um but it's it's so fast it's just it's really fast and it sounded like there was two vocalists it just blew my mind and then um unless i'm mistaken i think that like the lyrical themes i went went home and maybe looked the lyrics up online and the lyrical themes is like about a dude turning into a werewolf at night i could be wrong uh, but I think that's what I gathered from that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. Uh, but I was like, well, this is cool. This is, it, it, It's like, it's a little weird because I was um, used to more like your Dead Kennedys type of lyrics, just very uh, reality-based. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, this Black Dolly murder was was cool. Like the music was awesome, but it was based in fantasy. And, and I found that cool too. Um, you know, so I so I was okay with it. It just it it was it wouldn't be my my go to mm-hmm. if you will, especially if I, for for my my writing, yeah. Style. Okay, 
And so through these experiences with lyrics, did you kind of solidify any kind of ideas in your mind as to what makes for like identifiably metal lyrics? Um, so I came into metal through hardcore and I, the ethos of that, like I said, I would still, I, I think there's a probably a um, very debatable argument to be had that, that Terminal Nation is a death metal band. I, I say that we're a hardcore band, but I'm not mad mm-hmm. if somebody calls us a death metal band. Um, but I've always not, like, I've always been firmly in the realm in the world of hardcore punk. Um, a couple of my favorite bands, Infest and uh left for dead two those are two of the bands that that in my opinion were like the blueprint and the staple to to starting terminal nation terminal nation is actually a an infest song um and and those lyrics are very like the the lyrics to all of all of um pretty much all their songs are very socio-political talking about war talking about um class struggle and things like that. And I always, those always resonated with me. I mean, even as a kid, like I understood class struggle because I grew up poor. Um, even as like, as a kid, you know, I remember walking into my um, sixth grade class and seeing, you know, the September 11th terrorist attacks uh, happening. And then the war that, that, I mean, immediately followed after that. And a lot of the, the misinformation that came out about who the U.S. was, um, you know, viewing as as the enemy, and, and and just like, just like, even as a young kid, I was like, this this is, this shit is not good. Like, this is I, I'm not with this. So um, a lot of a lot of those, I guess, tropes I, I kept with me a lot. A lot of that the, the general vibe was like I I can I mean I can make death metal music, but it can still. Um, have a deeper meaning and more reality-based meaning. Mm. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the band Left for Dead. I think they had a stint in the early late '90s, early 2000s from um, uh, Windsor, Ontario, Canada, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a real, really, really fast, really, really aggressive band. But they have songs about just being frustrated at work. I think there's the song <laughs> called Eight Floors Above." Hates his job, works in a cubicle, is tired of his boss is tired of being underpaid, underappreciated. And the song is like jumping, like I think at, at some point, eight floors above, he jumps off the roof of, of his of his job. And I was like, I mean, it might seem silly when you compare that to, uh, you know, like your power metal band or whatever that writes in like fantasy and all these like grandiose multi-syllable words. But like, I relate to the guy who's just like at the copy machine is like, fuck this job, I'm over it. I'm going to jump out the window. Like I, that, I really related to that. Um, you know, and a, another song that they have uh, is, you know, about animal abuse. And uh, I guess there was a story that happened in, in Canada when I, when I, listening to podcasts uh, with Chris, the singer of Left for Dead, um, where he had read a story about a, about a, um, I don't need to get into details, but a pretty horrific um, mistreatment of an animal. And uh, the lyrics in the song are, is, um, you know, if if that's how you treat an animal, um, oh, you deserve even worse uh, skin graft. And it's like talking about taking the guy's head um, and wrapping a rope around it and tying it to the back of his vehicle and dragging 
this animal abuser through the street and like now that 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 does lean into more gory mm-hmm. uh, i guess fantasy level based but it but it's based in a reality relate to that it's not mm-hmm. like a death metal band where it's like i'm finding a victim in an alleyway who's unsuspecting it's like i want to um dish out a little bit of street justice so i i i can definitely um vibe with uh some of the more violent aspects it, it, like if there's a meaning behind it i guess mm-hmm. rather than senselessness and, and 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 i like a lot of bands that, that talk about senseless violence but it's just not my um it's not my go-to mm-hmm. if you will outside of these kind of thematic issues are are there elements of like how an idea is explored or like the words that are used the phrasing that you think makes metal lyrics good or controversially are there things um uh, conversely excuse me not controversially uh conversely are there things that you find a metal that uh you feel make a song that could have been good uh bad based on how the language appears sure so um it, like in my writing there's there's two barometers of measurement that i use when i when i lay out a song to decide if it's good or not um i think li- lyrically the lyrics have to be good they have you know they can't be hollow they have to be saying something but at at the same time in terms of the cadence and everything like that like one thing in in metal that i think is a little bit different than maybe punk is that the vocalist their voice can be or maybe should be used as like an additional instrument as well Mm. um so it, it adds it, rather than just like in hardcore punk, you can kind of get away with, for lack of a better term, just like talking and yelling over um, over some instruments, and that's fine. Like that's part of the charm of it, and with with, with some of the bands. Uh, whereas metal, it, it, there's a lot more uh, precision involved in terms of like your cadences, your vocal patterns, your execution. So it makes things a little bit more challenging, I think. Uh, being in a band that that kind of leans more metal death metal um when you're trying to say something but you've got to fit it in, within like these specific parameters because all day like I, I i could be scrolling through twitter i could be watching the local news i could be driving down the street and i see something that just like er, you know kind of aggravates me or hear hear about something uh, a news story or an issue or see something firsthand that happens and i and i have like a great line lyrically that pops up in my in my head but the challenge is taking that line and like molding it to fit within a uh, a terminal nation song so i think two things that are really important are like obviously great lyrics and you can you can have great lyrics without uh you can have great simple lyrics i think that's what we we do well is um it, it doesn't get too uh too smart for our own britches, if you will, to use some Arkansas terminology. Um, it's very grounded and based in reality, but I also think it says something impactful. I like. I, I think I'm kind of blessed with with uh, the gift to gab a little bit in a, in a way to uh, like. I, I guess I have a good way of phrasing things. Like mm. like I have a good way of taking a message and. Um, and executing it in a way that'll work within the medium of a song. Mm. And has that always been your approach to kind of draw on um, 
you know, your everyday experience uh, and like, you know, just lines that you come up with as you're kind of moving through your life um, and integrate that into like a song structure or has your kind of um, songwriting style or, you know, your lyrical style changed over time? No, I, I would say um, it's been pretty consistent throughout my entire time of uh, writing music, writing lyrics is uh, come up with the lyrics my bandmates are wizards behind uh, behind their instruments. So a lot of times we'll be working in tandem, but separately. And I'll be working on lyrics and they'll be working on songs. And I'll have, and we did this with Holocene Extinction, our, our um, full length LP that came out a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where I had maybe 10 to 15 different ideas of, um, of lyrics. And then they had, and then they, together in practices, we came up with 10 to 15 different uh, structured in songs, instrumental songs. And then I would take the ones that I thought uh, sonically fit the vibe that I was going for. And then I'd have to, you know, um, take out lyrics, change words, do whatever I could to kind of piecemeal it into, into that, that song structure. But I've always, I've always kind of written what I wanted to write um and then try to find a way to fit it into into the actual music if that makes sense so process wise then you kind of you write lyrics that there's no music for yet and then your band makes a song and you kind of try to fit it into the song is that sort of yeah pretty pretty much i'll kind of go off on um uh on a subject and i'll just start writing and it it, you know obviously there's going to be more more lyrics than um, would fit in that song. So then I got to trim the fat, make make alterations. It's definitely, from what I from what I understand, a uh, much more unique approach than mm. I think a lot of other mm-hmm. bands do. But I also, uh, I mean, that's just the way my brain works. I, you know, I have a little bit of a, a you know, some would call it some some neurodivergent issues. So like when I, uh, I don't know if, if issues is a word, but I I deal with some uh, neurodivergency, if you will. And so, like, when I get to writing on a subject, I just go off and then I'll be like, this is song one. Obviously, it's not the final draft. Once the instrumentals are created, I'll somehow I'll have to start picking apart the pieces and um, making it work within the structure of the uh, the instrumentals that are written. So how does that editing process go? Like, how do you decide what stays and what goes? Oh, it's it's painstaking for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, a lot of times, um, you know, I'll try to find, I, I want to try to keep in the lines that are most impactful. If you're familiar with, with our catalog, mm-hmm. um, some of the, uh, like the most impactful lines, they're not spoken, but they're, they're enunciated more. Um, they're easier to understand if you will, than some of so I like to really highlight like the lines that I think are most impactful, the lines that I think encompass the vibe, the message that I want to get out there. I try to um, enunciate those as much as possible. You could probably tell when you listen to some of the songs that, oh, I understand this. This was very coherently um, stated. That's that's all, um, you know, that's all a decision in the writing process. But it, it, it's difficult. Um, I tr- when I do that writing in my head as I look through look through my lyrics nothing is throwaway material but you just um you know you can't keep everything and uh, I don't want it to be word salad for sure so I have to do a lot of 
a lot of fat trimming. And sometimes when I trim the fat, that makes it to another song. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I just, I keep it in a, um, in a vat of uh, um, lyrics or lines that, that, that I like. And I'll just, if it, if it doesn't make the cut on one song, it'll hit the cutting room floor. And then I'll, uh, I might save it for a, for another, another track one day. Let's go like one step back. If you have a lot of songs potentially written, when your band first gives you a song, how do you even decide which song to start cutting fat from? Like how do you say which which lyrics are gonna go in that song? Yeah, so so what one more I, I say that they write the instrumentals. I mean, I see I we have a you know practices where we're all we're all in the same room. So I'm I'm helping with the writing process. Okay. Um so like as we're writing it, I can kind of be like, oh, I have that song about, you know, the pharmaceutical industry. And this riff kind of, mm -hmm. you know, it, it connects with, with you know, what, whatever. But, but I'm, I sit in on the, on the writing process, chime in. I, you know, I add my take, whatever. And um, as, as the song starts to, starts to grow, I kind of already have an idea of which, like, topic um uh, which bunch of lyrics that i could probably uh combine it with mm, okay and you just mentioned earlier that uh, like you know a lot of the uh, lyrics that you produce you know when singing i i guess you call it, um are quite sure. like audible and, and intelligible right is that important to you that like the listener can actually understand exactly what's being said um being growing up from from punk and hardcore i think um i would say yes like i said earlier uh some of the more impactful lines i try to make them uh more audible or more easily understandable um and also i think there's uh so i, I love death metal I, I you know i whatever but there's there's something to be said about um uh, when especially if it's a very impactful line or a line that's important to me or a line that I, I think is particularly um, delivers a message that kind of encompasses what I was feeling when I wrote it. Um, I think there's something to be said about executing that in a very organic um, way where, you know, I don't just sound like a, a robot or, you know, a machine or mm. um, some pri primordial uh, beast or whatever, but like it, you, you can actually feel some humanity in that. So it, you know, I, as opposed to sounding like, um, uh, you know, like, like some sort of animal when I'm, you know, it, it's mm. enunciated in a way that you can tell that it's, there, there's a level of humanity attached to it. It's enunciated mm. in a way um, where you can kind of feel the emotion a little bit more and, and understand what, what, what I'm saying. I guess if that makes sense, I don't know if I do that um, intentionally or not, but it, it, it comes out, it, co it does certainly come out that way. Hmm. So speaking then of, of what you're actually kind of saying, we want to start talking about your specific lyric choices with a bit of a broader question that we usually do, uh, which is thematic, because um, Encyclopedia Metallum uh, lists your band's lyrical themes as anti-fascism, anti-capitalism, and anti-authority. Before we ask about these themes, uh, do you agree with this summary? Um, yeah, I mean, on the surface level, yeah, I, I, I could see. Hey, we, we do touch on those lyrics, yes, yeah. So I guess how early on as a lyricist did you decide that this is what you want your songs to be about? Like, was this the topic that you first started writing about when you first decided to become a lyricist? 
for the most part, yes. Like I said, I you know just roots in in hardcore punk. I've always um, kind of had this you know fuck the system kind of mentality going into everything that I do. Um, and as when Terminal Nation first started, it was I don't know how how deep y'all have gotten into our discography, but if you listen to like that demo or that first seven inch, it's almost like just a straight up hardcore punk band mm. um so so it's the lyrics are a lot easier to understand but as we as we progressed we had another member join our band that came from a more metal metal world and he brought more sonic influence into it and so it got heavier and as the um as the instrumentals continued to grow like i guess get heavy progress and and get heavier in the songwriting um, evolved a little bit. I wanted the lyrics to evolve too. So um, I've always thought of this band as being like my 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 outlet, if you will. The lyrics have always been aggressive, have have always been confrontational. But in the last couple of years, they've gotten significantly more more amplified. But it, I've this has always been a band that that has been challenging and um, and confrontational. I think, especially especially in the area that we're from. Mm. Mm. And was there any difficulty in being as politically clear in your writing as you are? Like, um, were you ever worried at all about like pushback from direct lines? Like, you know, the system is not broken. Um, this is uh, what it was always meant to be or death to all fucking bootlickers shaking the hand <laughs> of your own class trader. Um, like, have you encountered people saying that metal lyrics shouldn't offer these kind of clear political messages or stances? Or on the other hand, um, does that kind of stylistic foot your band has in the hardcore scene kind of make this approach more natural and welcome? Uh, so it's a little bit of both. Um, mm. You know, as as a as a hardcore band, those I mean, even as a hardcore band, those lyrics are still can still be pretty pretty confrontational. Mm. Um, but but especially as a metal band, those those lyrics are extremely mm. confrontational. Now, uh, the, we're we're from Little Rock, Arkansas. We're like in the Bible Belt, so there's uh in person there's been a, a little bit of pushback i think some um oh i want to say 2019 or so a uh we got into a little bit of a online feud if you will with um one of the local hyper conservative uh politicians in this area and um a lot of his followers are a part of are a part of a uh kind of a white nationalist group maybe a couple hours from little rock and so there was threats of coming out to our shows and and oh, wow. uh, kick, kicking our asses and i think uh, uh or protesting our shows or, or or um you know whatever and you know some sometimes when push comes to shove um some people for lack of a better word aren't about it but i think uh and i tend to forget this uh about myself uh, i've always been critical of myself i've always kind of felt like an outsider but sometimes i forget that i'm like a big 300 pound dude that can kind of be intimidating um <laughs> and and uh one of these guys came out to our show i think to uh to confront me and it it nothing came of it he left very quickly um i think when he, saw <laughs> person. he didn't um, google you yeah maybe not or maybe he did or maybe it's i i don't i don't know maybe i'm not as intimidating via pictures but uh, <laughs> that, there, there's that. It, I mean, it was kind of funny. I mean, it could have been a real scary thing. And we and mm. um, since then, it hasn't been it hasn't escalated in person. Um, 
you know, quite quite like that. I think, um, and also, you know, we, we not, not maybe not the smartest move to come to one of our shows where a local a local show where we have our fan base there. So if mm-hmm. it's like if you want to have some sort of physical confrontation with me, might not be the best place to do it. You know, you might want to meet on neutral ground or something like that. I'm my my fighting days are way behind me for sure. But um, you know, if somebody wanted to fight me, I, it would a termination show would probably be the last place you could choose. <sighs> because you're going to be outnumbered in, in that room. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, so there's, there's been a little, uh, some in-person pushback. Um, and like I said, it never got extreme, although there was some threats of it, you know, and there was a, like a little protest or whatever, or a call for protest, some of our shows, and it kind of dissipated. And with the beginning of the pandemic and shows kind of being mm. non-existent for a little bit, that, that kind of dissipated. And I think they've, they found other um, other people to direct their frustrations to, um, but like online, every now and then, it, like there's been there's been folks that'll say, "Hey, I wish you know you guys would keep politics out of it," um, or whatever. And and here's the thing: I know there, there's there's people in some bands that write music for other people, um, and and while I I do write music um, speaking in defense of other people my music is my artwork it's my outlet i don't give a fuck if anybody likes it or is, is happy <laughs> with with the subject matter because it ain't for you i i'm, I'm writing these songs for me so mm-hmm. if, if you know you think that this subject matter doesn't belong in metal well tough shit because we're this is what i'm doing so if you don't like it don't listen to it don't support it that's that's fine by me um but yeah there, there's been there's been pushback um a little bit online but it's it's usually a uh, a vocal minority. Um, it seems, or, or some people just keep their mouth shut, and that's that's <laughs> for the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 maybe so. Well, we touched on this a little bit earlier with um, kind of the parts where you do speak clearly, but on, on the whole, you know, your your music is in a um, the vocals. I'd say uh, have a bit of a death metal sound to it. Like there's you know some deep growls that you're performing. Okay, is sure. there kind of an irony to performing clear political messages in this style, where you know this screaming potentially prevents easy access to the message? Like, do you give the reader, listen, not reader, the listener, or, or I suppose the reader, the eventual reader? Um, sure, sure. The freedom to not engage with the message in a way that like a Bob Dylan protest song would not, or like would wow. you be upset if someone ignored what you were saying because there's like, oh, it's, you know, it's just kind of screams. Wow. So that, that's a very good question. I don't think I've ever been asked that, but that's, I mean, you bring up a, a, a good point, I, I guess to kind of circle back to um, what we were talking about on like the, my mo- more impactful words or my more, um, I guess you could say confrontational or controversial lines. I try to enunciate those as best as possible. Truthfully, I probably have no business singing um, in in uh, in the same way that that Bob Dylan would. Um, that and and that's where the love of this particular style of music, mm-hmm. I guess, comes in. Is you, you know, I my vocal delivery is my vocal delivery because I can't, I couldn't sing, um, you know, to sing my way out of a paper bag, if you will. Uh, in terms of that being like a little bit of a barrier or a hindrance to um, to people connecting with the lyrics, um, you know, I've never thought about it that way, but I, I, I don't think that we've ever shied away from anything in the subject matter if anyone has ever wanted the lyrics. I know, so I, I think it's been a thing, I, I've noticed at least recently, 
where um, some some death metal bands will not include lyrics with their um, with their physical albums, which kind of is is mind blowing to me. Um, but I, we've never whether you look at our merch, whether you look at our social media, whether you hear some of the stage banter uh, in between songs. Um, I think the message is has always kind of been um, been pretty clear. But you know that that that's a great point. Uh, um, you know, that, that, uh, inaudible, you know, delivery, does that, does that hold people back? I don't know. That, that That's a good question. Something to ponder on. I, I, I think we're, we're, it's pretty easy to, to understand where we're coming from. Um, and, you know, we, we make sure to drive the point home with our lyrics on our merch and, and in the physical albums. But, uh, yeah, that's a great question. I I, I guess I answered it. I kind of walked <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 a little bit. But so, like, would you be disappointed if, like, there were hypothetically like fans or listeners who like didn't engage with your lyrical content? Um. So the the realist in me, I, I understand that not everybody is going to um is going to vibe with with everything I say. You know, I, I have people that have. Uh, maybe agreed with my message but aren't so thrilled with the level of confrontation in the delivery in, in the delivery of it um you know they, they they think that maybe things can be phrased or delivered more tactfully and you know um sure maybe maybe so but this is this is what i'm doing and and, and this is how i do it uh take it or leave it um yeah i mean it, it's just going to be a kind of a it's par for the course, you know, not, not everyone is going to fully agree. It's kind of weird. I think there's been a couple scenarios where, um, where somebody has, has shared like the album artwork and tagged us on social media is like, Oh, just found this. I can think of one specifically, Hey, just found this album. It's really cool. Love it. Um, and then I, I, I look at their page and it's very, um, very alt right for back lack of a better term. And I guess they just haven't, um, dug deep enough yet so mm-hmm. i uh i think they're gonna get um in, in, they're in for a rude awakening if they dig in <laughs> any deeper and it might have just been oh i like this song and they never listened to it again but they went as far as to post it and i was like ah do i need to tell him or is he gonna figure it out on his own we'll, we'll see but um it's just par for the course i i being in arkansas i you know i'm surrounded by by folks that don't necessarily uh, mesh or see that see eye to eye with me so I just you know I, I know that that's just that's just part of the um, part of the part of the world of it I guess mm. as a kind of broader question do you think that uh, genres like metal have an ability to create political dialogues like have you ever had fans discuss your lyrics with you or tell you that they've you know um, led to new ways of thinking about things yeah, so so this is a this is a very good question, and uh, the first thing that comes into mind um, is our debut LP, Holocene Extinction. It came out in 2020. Um, I think it was uh, sent off to the pressing plant in February of 2020, maybe January or February. When, um, as as we know, a few weeks later, the world drastically drastically mm-hmm. changed um, mm-hmm. in in more ways in more ways than one, but. Uh, we kind of knew that it was slated for a summer release tentatively. Um, and then, you know, the pandemic ha- happened, 
shows were, were not a thing and we're like, do we delay the record? Whatever. And we just were like, no, let's let's just go with it. So we had planned on a, on a summer release and the first single um, dropped in, I believe, the first week of June of 2020. Now, this was at a time where music seemed like the farthest thing, like music and art um, seemed minuscule in relation to um, what was going on, at least in, a, uh, you know, in, in the United States with the uh, George Floyd protests that were happening with co- peak COVID, with with, um, you know, a lot of the the class struggles, but primarily the George Floyd protest. There was it was just unlike and I mean, it was just a surreal time. And I'm like, fuck, we worked real. I obviously like. This album is like a, a, a bucket list thing for me. I've wanted to drop an, an LP for the first like, you know, this is my first LP. This is a really big deal. But this like this doesn't matter. We're like right now there's there's so many more important things do can we delay the album this is it like is it um it's the wrong time to release it like i i had like major anxiety from like oh the album's gonna come out but these things you know it was already in the pipeline and there's no way we could pull it back so i'm like well shit this is i don't know it just it felt a little bit wrong to release an album right there just just to be um totally straightforward with you and i and mm. i kind of um was was regretting going ahead with the decision to release it in the summer but i didn't know that that things would have transpired in the way that they did um but then he, with the first single and then especially the second single master plan um and then people start telling me that that hey i was at a protest in x city and i people were jamming terminal nation i was at a protest and people wearing termination shirts and then people were saying, you know, I, this song or this album encompasses everything that I'm feeling in this very moment. You like, you explain my emotions to a T with what's going on right now. And I'm like, well, fuck. Okay. All right. That maybe this was the, the perfect time to release it. It was, it was weird because I didn't want, you know, I, I don't, I think there were more important things going on in the world than for my band to just release our album. But our guitarist Tommy, who is who he's um he is black. And before we went into the studio, we were collaborating on a lot on a lot of these lyrics, um, making tweaks here and there, just kind of nervous. So I remember me and him going out like the weekend going into the studio and tweaking things here and there. We we collaborated a lot. I mean, there's a song that Holocene Extinction, he wrote that song com- like completely, everything about it. Um and so knowing that a lot of the lyrical content not only was approved, like approved by him, but but written, co-written by him. Um, and then it was a, a very big moment for, for Black Lives in America and for, for social justice here in the U.S. And then to hear that that resonated with people or that, you know, it, it was like, it was crazy, like protests in Portland and Philadelphia in Texas. And people were like, there's, I've seen like three Terminal Nation shirts out here. There was a couple of times where people were like, people are blasting Master Plan at this protest. And I was like, wow, that's like, that's really crazy. Um, but to, I, I know I said earlier that I write music for myself, but it was very, um, a very much gratifying feeling 
when I would hear people or receive messages from people and they would say that you encompassed everything, all of my frustrations with the system right now, you said it perfectly. And I, I can't relate, you know, I, I can totally, totally relate to how you're feeling. You took the words right out of my mouth. And I was like, well, fuck yeah, that, that, that's great to hear. So that was a, a long way to answer quite a long worded way, a long-winded way to answer your question. But I think um I think that that's the best way that I've seen it tied to uh tied to the large larger picture, if you will. No, that's yeah, awesome. Sure. Thanks for sharing with us. Yeah. So like as for writing itself, um kind of looking at it as a whole, we noted that the styles um maybe something we can call a bit minimalist. Like there are words, you know, like Holocene extinction. Um Holocene's pretty about there but on the whole uh, there's just not a lot of words in total on some of your songs like even uh longer songs like death for profit that's like longer it's just over three minutes um and there's 126 words uh compared to like an average metal song being you know a bit longer i mean around closer to 200 words and the style of language is generally pretty accessible like you uh the song the orange bottle prison begins with i can't escape lock me up lose the key let illness consume me consider this my guilty plea i've become my own enemy uh, which includes words that, you know, most English users would recognize. Is this clear and distinct lyrical style intentional? Like, is it is it designed to help that kind of connection you just talked about? Or is this kind of just happened organically? Yeah, I know it, it's absolutely intentional. I mean, I'm not, um, I don't know that I'm uh, like the, the best wordsmith in the world, but I think... Um, I, I think you you labeled it pretty well, minimalist. So it's like taking... Um, pretty basic level language and using pretty basic words to get over a um, an impactful or a powerful concept. I've always I've always kind of uh, resonated with that. Again, back to hardcore and my punk, my hardcore and punk roots. Um, that's like that music has always been intentionally decide, decidedly very um very accessible like you can just jump in and uh with, without any knowledge of uh lord of the rings books or without any knowledge of um you know medical term extreme you know medical terminology you can just jump right in and immerse yourself in it so i think um you know wh whether i realize it's intentional or not i mean that's definitely how um how I like for it to be. I don't want any, I, I never wanted any mystery in my lyrics. I, I more lately with our upcoming album, I've been toying with a little bit more metaphorical things, but it's still um, about subject. But for the most part, you're not going to find a whole lot of metaphors um, in my writing. It's pretty straightforward um, and, and pretty simple. And I think that's, that's a hundred percent a intentional, uh, intentional move on my end. Hmm. And uh, following on from there, another kind of stylistic choice that stands out quite a bit is uh, your use of repetition. So, for instance, cognitive dissonance repeats uh, fear-based way of thinking, cognitive dissonance three times to open. Uh, arsenic death has the line extinction of mankind four times. Uh, and songs like Holocene Extinction or Master Plan repeat their uh, track title names uh, multiple times. Um, so what's the goal of this kind of repetition? Uh, you know, I... Um... I think part of it might be my, maybe it's part of my ADD. I know that having, uh, repeating things helps me, um, absorb better, I guess. Maybe that's part of it. I don't know that I, until you pointed this out, I don't know that I real realize that, 
but also I feel like the lines that, that I do repeat are some of the more impactful mm. um, lines. So maybe it's just, um, it, maybe it's my thought process of wanting to like drive this point home. Like I don't want this particular line to kind of get lost in the shuffle of the rest of the, um, of the rest of the song maybe. And, um, and it's just, just my way of like um, highlighting it out is just the repeating it three, four, five times um, to make sure it gets heard. Right. And then like, how do you choose when that line is kind of good enough to repeat or perhaps to like rephrase uh, appropriate for repetition? Um, sure. Like what makes like fear-based way of thinking? Okay. Uh, but which side will you be on? Not. Oh, that that's, that's, that's a good example there. Um, uh, it's probably uh, finding some sort of middle ground with a, it being a, an impactful line and then B taking that line and twisting it and you know I, making it malleable enough to to fit into the structure of the song um so kind of finding a happy medium there so the, the lines that you mentioned um may not have started as those lines i i couldn't tell you off the top of my head uh i think the general idea was there but then i'd have to kind of twist and um mold it to be able to fit in the song so it's probably uh, the repetition probably comes from what what cadence works best on top of it being like a good enough line to want to drive it home. Mm -hmm. So finding a happy medium there. The only song you've ever written that we can find uh, without any repetition is Thirst to Burn. Um, is there a reason that you avoided on this song? Besides well, the song that we should say, it's 30 seconds long. So yeah. beyond yeah. that, it's 30 seconds long. Was there, there was a reason there was no repetition in this track? Uh, you know, I don't know if that was a, a conscious decision or not. Um, that track almost didn't make the album, but we wrote it and we, we played it and it was just really fun. And we were like, why not? You know, I, I, I like um, when music has few parameters or, or limitations. So, uh, yeah, we can we can totally have in the midst of like three to four minute songs. To, let's let's do a 30 second song um yeah it maybe there's no repetition there because i didn't have time to repeat anything but uh, uh that might that might be the answer if i'm being honest okay oh, that's fair enough yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah we did also notice some interesting patterns in your use of perspective across songs um yeah off holocene extinction um as there's only 12 instances i found of i or me and 17 instances of we but a massive 45 instances of you or your um is this a pattern that you're like conscious and aware of no not at all you're blowing <laughs> my mind by, by telling me this um and it might just be you know that that general uh um trope of like you're you're fighting the system trope where you don't know who exactly is pulling the you know the, the metaphor of like the puppet master pulling the strings and you don't you may not know who that is um mm. but you know you you always hear that trope of people referring to well they are doing this they doing that so maybe that's kind of my way of saying uh you and i just like a general um wow that 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 that's cool that that perspective is really cool that uh that you were able to pinpoint that out i might need to dig a little further <laughs> and try to under in my brain and try to understand why i do that but uh but i like that and, and, and it might just be as simple as this band has always been a um like an in-your-face aggressive and confrontational band so uh it's a lot easier to to say you or me 
it, you versus me kind of thing. And maybe subconsciously that's, that's where it comes from. Yeah. Well, I mean, that fits with a lot of the context, given that like the majority of the second person pronouns, like you do appear in a kind of pejorative context. Um, so most notably in Disciple of Deceit with lyrics like you took that oath to defend, uh, but your bigotry knows no end. You've suffered because of who you love. Or you've never suffered because of who you love. Um, in such context is like kind of you there represent like a specific person or group of people um, or even a kind of social type that you're targeting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So specifically in that song, that's that's um, specifically written about, um, actually about the um, local politician <laughs> that, that we had uh, a um, little bit of an online um, feud with, if you will, for lack of a better term. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's um, I don't know, it, it can be cathartic, it can be rewarding to, like, it, it can feel good sometimes to just point at someone and be like you are doing this wrong you like you've wronged these people you are intentionally causing grief or harm to this uh this subset or this class of class of people and I think that feels really good I think that song is the one where I uh do the finger pointing the most probably in all of our songs um but but yeah yeah I it, it sometimes it just feels good to call someone out on their bullshit. <laughs> we've, we've asked this before to some people that have also had kind of like you know the, the the political like you are a bad person kind of you. Um, but when you're performing these live and you're looking at your audience and you're saying the word you, is there any does it feel odd at all? Like you know you make eye contact with someone and you say you know uh, you have never <laughs> suffered like and you're looking at them is that is, or is it just you're just in the moment of the live shot? Well, so so. It probably, uh, it does not feel awkward. Um, although sometimes I do do some, like with, with the microphone and I say the word you, I do do some gesturing and like point at that person. Now, is this, that person responsible for anything that I've said in the song? Probably not. It's just you know <laughs> gesturing. Um, but if I'm being honest, uh, when I'm performing, I'm kind of entranced kind of. And, and another thing too, um, spoiler alert to take away some of the, to peek behind the curtain. I uh, I don't wear my glasses when I play, <laughs> and I and I don't wear contacts, so like I can't see anything five feet in front of me. So if I've ever said in a song, "You are a piece of shit," and I pointed at you, sorry, it's not personal. <laughs> I'm just pointing into the abyss. Um, <laughs> well, what about the opposite? When you use like "I," "me," or "we" in a song, uh, generally speaking, is that is that your own perspective, or are you like embodying a character? Yeah, uh, it, it is my own perspective. Um, I, I try to, well, I don't try, I just, I've never really connected with, um, the writing style of like playing a character, if you will. And I know that that's mm. done in death metal a lot with the exception. I've kind of teased a little bit of it in our split with cruelty, uh, like in, in sacrificial capital and, um, and embalmed crucifix, um, in both of those songs, I kind of, I, I maybe character is not the better word um but like a little bit of fantasy so am i going to the top of skyscrapers and throwing ceos of uh fortune 500 companies off skyscrapers no but um i guess stan in character in that song is um or would like to maybe um but for the kind of a little bit of a, a different flair on the writing in the in those 
those last three songs that we did. And I've kind of been toying with that a little, a little bit. As we mentioned earlier, like, you know, I, I can sometimes vibe with the gory, violent death metal lyrics, but like, if there's a little more, um, there's a little depth to it. So like, um, would I like to throw some CEOs off a of skyscraper? Not for me, not for me to say on a, on a recording, but, <laughs> but, um, like, but that fantasy, um, you know, yeah, I guess maybe it, it is, it is kind of a, a fantasy, but it's not, you know, dragon slaying type of fantasy or, um, sure. following a girl outside of a bar fantasy. Like that's, this is like, you know, um, a fantasy, but from, from my perspective, if you will. Hmm. Well, another common feature um, to your lyrics is the use of swearing. Um, so across your first um, album and the recent slip with Cruelty, uh, we counted 24 uses of fuck uh, across lines like uh, fuck around and find out, uh, death, destruction, and no hope for peace until we fucking learn, um, or as you splatter on cold fucking concrete. Um, so what role do you see uh, these swear words playing in your lyrics? Um, to be, I, I don't think it's that deep. I think... Uh, <laughs> Like, I think it, so a fuck, a, a well-timed, well-executed fuck or fucking can, um, can make a line a little bit more impactful. Sometimes it's an extra syllable or two to fit it within a, um, you know, within a measure. And that, that, that's it. That's why it's there. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I've always been, uh, like this, this is angry angry music i've always been like you know i've always wanted this music to be confrontational to push the envelope a little bit sometimes that's you know saying the word fuck every now and then um i haven't actually counted so that that number is very <laughs> uh, very interesting to me um but yeah and, and that's if i'm being if i'm being totally honest with you that's how i talk in my uh you know maybe not in every setting but when i'm sitting around with my friends and just bullshitting for lack of a better term, um, that is how I talk. Sometimes I, I talk like a sailor. So I think that comes off very natural. Um, maybe it would be forced, maybe it would be weird if I didn't curse in a song and it would come off unnatural. So I think um, it's probably a mixture of all of those things. Well, just now you use the word bullshit, but actually if you look at all the the swearing across um, your, your lyrics, while you clearly have no hesitation with fuck, there's actually no other swear words that you use on any songs. Uh, like your last two releases don't have a single shit. There's not a bitch, not a damn. The only other quote unquote offensive word of note is there's one case of bastard and you reference hell, but like as a location rather than yeah, as kind of an insult. Uh, does this surprise you? Do you do you feel that fuck has some kind of something to it that attracts you that other curse words don't? I think fuck is the like the elusive word, like the, the top. I mean, obviously without going into like, heinous territory you know like fuck is like the pinnacle of uh of, of swear words um i think it's definitely uh the most impactful um yeah i don't know i don't i don't know if there's a I, I, like the word bitch is not in my not really in my vocabulary i don't mm -hmm. i don't um you know i don't like to to use that word um so in sacrificial capital i kind of um there's a line that says, uh, referring back to the um, mysterious they, um, the, a line that says, they surround you with their dicks in their hands. 
furiously filling their golden chalice. Um, and so that's maybe that's the, the in terms of cursing, using the word dick there um, might be might be the only other the only other word besides like like you mentioned bastard or hell uh the only other obscenity uh besides <laughs> besides fuck um but i don't know fuck just feels good i it, i think i think it, it just feels good to say especially when you're mad mm-hmm. um fuck to, fuck comes naturally um i feel like shit might it might be a little forced uh bitch would definitely be forced for me because i don't like to use use that word um yeah if i had to pick one cuss word fuck would probably be the one (laughs) is it just like you know does it just have that kind of emotional impact or expressive force that the others don't maybe the emotional impact and then it just kind of comes naturally um okay yeah somewhere between the two Mm. is there a line with like too many swear words like you mentioned putting a swear word in to fill kind of space in the syllables. Have you ever taken one out and filled it with something else because you thought it was like kind of going too far? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, no, well, so, I mean, I don't want it to be um, like, I don't want it. I, I, I wouldn't want the curse words to be like a crutch mm-hmm. in the songwriting. Um, but um I don't, I don't know that I've consciously thought about like, oh, this is too much or this, there's not enough cussing in this song. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've ever that thought, but um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just, just as simple as it, eh, this, this feels like it works here, uh, but I've never done the inverse and um, uh, switched it up like that. In a broader sense though, can there be too much? Like it, like mm-hmm. as a, is that a thing? Like, can they be just like too much swearing in a song? Yeah, if you listen to a song and been like, yeah, all right, that was maybe you know one fuck too many. It try hard or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I guess it, it it could be. I don't know that. I mean, maybe in 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 the opinion of some folks, maybe I've I've overused it. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think that I have. Um, I always refer back to this hardcore EP from like 2007 that I really vibe with a band called Trash Talk. They have a song called the walking disease and i swear in the first 30 seconds he says fuck 10 times um and i it's but it sounds really cool but i i, I never wanted um like i i don't want it to take away from the song and i i don't think that i've that any of my fucks have taken away from the song whereas um if it got to the point where there's too many, then I don't want people to be like, oh, that song was cool, but there was too many fucks. Well, then um, I feel like that's mission fail. So um, it's it's walking a fine line, if you will. Mm. Another um, feature that appears on a lot of, uh, not well, maybe not as many as, as fuck, but uh, uh, quite a bit in your lyrics is uh, just rhyme. Um, as in lines like, how could you be so naive? There's nothing left to leave. What a tangled web we weave. Uh, or your victim card is starting to wear thin, diversity is getting under your skin, or even like inner rhyme line in a short bit, like a uh, desire for fire. Uh, I'd say actually compared to some of the people we've interviewed here, uh, your use of rhyme is fairly on the rarer side, I guess, but it certainly does appear. Um, how do you decide when to use rhyme and where to avoid it? And what kind of effect do you think it brings to your music? Um, so I, I think I've heard my band sometimes described and maybe 
maybe it's less to do with with the lyrics or the vocal patterns and more instrumentals but there's been some people that have said i mean for a death metal band you guys are kind of catchy um <laughs> and maybe maybe a part of that is because uh i'll throw a rhyming in from time to time i've got to be honest it there's not a lot of thought process put into it um sometimes if it feels right i'll try to build on it like I, if i can get a couple impactful lines back to back and they happen to rhyme or they can rhyme without sounding too forced i'll just try to build on that um but if it doesn't if it doesn't need to rhyme if it i guess if it comes if the rhyme comes naturally i'll go with it if it doesn't i don't need to force the issue um it's not really something that i put a whole lot of thought into if it works i'll go with it if it doesn't i'll just keep it moving Hmm. what makes a rhyme field forced um if i've got to use like if i've got to go to the thesaurus to to find another word that that um that rhymes then then i'm doing too much if it doesn't feel natural um you know if i have to kind of think outside my uh box of words for that that last word on that line um and I use something that's kind of adjacent to the message that I'm trying to deliver, then, then I'm doing too much and we just need to avoid uh, the rhyme altogether. Uh, but if there's a word that, that would come naturally in a conversation um, that happens to rhyme, cool, let's go with it. So we've actually, we've had thesaurus this, you know, debates and discussions here before. You're in the anti-thesaurus camp? I'm not, I, I wouldn't say anti-thesaurus, um, like I've used, I've used it at the source for sure. Um, but I don't want it to come up. I don't, I don't want it to be like, Oh, I can tell this guy used it the source <laughs> like, mm. kind of thing. You know, it would, I, I try to keep my lyrics, um, uh, like, like we said earlier, pretty accessible. Like there's no, um, difficulty in kind of jumping in and understanding what I'm talking about. There's no, you don't have to research what this word means to be able to get, you know, get an impression of what's being said here. Um, yeah, I try, I try to keep it uh, impactful, but simple. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to using a thesaurus, but I will not go to a thesaurus to find a word that I was unfamiliar with previously. Hmm. Hmm. Um, so as we mentioned just before, um, so last year you put out a split with Japan's cruelty. Um, can you tell us a bit about how this came to be? Yeah, uh, totally. So um, the guitar player with Cruel, uh, for Cruelty, Zuma, we became Twitter friends and uh, we both had a big mutual respect for each other's bands. We were both compared, like our, our bands have been in the same conversation um, sonically, people compare our bands. Um, and we kind of built a online kinship and uh, with the release of our album, we were intending on going to Japan um, in November of 2020 uh, in support of our album. And we were going to do a uh, Japan tour with Cruelty. Well, obviously, the world had uh, um, different plans for us and, and that tour did not happen. But um, and we, well, we still kept in touch. And then we just kind of had an idea that they were in between albums. We both released albums in 2020 um mm -hmm. and we were both in the middle of writing albums and we were just like well since we didn't do a a tour like why don't we do a split and pretty much 
it just it just happened. Now we wanted to. Um, I know. Um, you know, I hope I don't ruffle any feathers here, but I know sometimes a, a split album can be like throwaway material for some bands, just like B-sides, extra stuff. Um, and I, I didn't want to have a throwaway album, uh, especially we were writing peak pandemic when there was no shows. It would it would feel, you know, I it, it's just not my my vibe, my energy. So I, you know, I, I drove the point home to them and they they totally agreed that we, we had the same mindset here. So that worked out well, that we wanted to both bring like a full album um qual like full album quality material to the table and um make it make it one thing so we collaborated on everything from the album artwork to um i mean thematically they have they have their themes we have ours um i don't think they're too far off from each other uh but one thing that we did that was cool like that made this feel like much more of a collaboration versus just two bands throwing some songs together um is that i did a guest vocal spot on their song under the pressure and uh tatami the vocalist for cruelty did a guest vocal spot on sacrificial capital um our side so it was kind of cool uh I, I to my knowledge i don't know of any other split record where the vocalist for one band does a guest on the opposite band and, and mm -hmm. vice versa. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it was just something that came to fruition um, when the Japan tour got scrapped and we um, wanted to put something out, but we didn't have a full album's worth of material. So the tracks then, were they written for the split or did they kind of exist before the split kind of came to be? Um, they So their tracks, I believe were already written not recorded um and our tracks i think we had a shell of a song and that's about it like a shell of um instrumental shell of the song and that's about it so the majority of our stuff was written specifically for for that split did the fact that it was going to be with cruelty affect how you um wrote or approached the topics and lyrics um, you know, I, I think, uh, like we have a, uh, we're on the same wavelength in terms of, um, you know, like a socio-political commentary and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like we, we both have the same beliefs as bands. Um, their perspective is, uh, you know, going to be different than mine because, because of where they're from geographically. Um, but I don't think I think we I would have wrote those songs uh, probably the same regard regardless. Um, you know, I think sacrificial capital kind of came from um, you know in the pandemic over those, especially the peak of the pandemic. It just highlighted so much. Um, I guess just the wealth inequality in the United States was just like was just the spotlight was on that as you, you were seeing folks who um, furloughed from their job and had no income. And then um, some of the largest companies and corporations in the world were just seeing all time peaks. And it was just the, the, the dichotomy and the contrast there was just like, that's what drove me to write Sacrificial Capital. But I would have probably 
written that song the exact same way, whether it was uh, with a split with Cruelty or not. <clears throat> and you mentioned, obviously, that you did guest vocals um, on Cruelty and Cruelty did guest vocals uh, for um, uh, for you guys as well. Um, but was there any kind of collaboration in the actual writing process or did you just more or less like write your own songs and then just do the guest vocal spots? Um, so so each band, we, we of course, we, we wrote our own songs. Um, on the guest vocal spot, um, we decided, like, we, we had talked about it. We're like, do you want me to write something for that song? Or, and and I think we we mutually agreed that um, that we should, to keep with the integrity of the original song as it was written, that, hey, for the Termination song, I'll give you my lyrics. If you don't like them or if you have a different vibe or, you know, if you see, have a different vision, let me know. But here's this. And then vice versa. Mm. Um, so I took the cruelty lyrics that were given to me and I just I went in with those. Um, and then the, I gave to Tommy the lyrics uh, for the termination spot that I felt that he he would fit on. And he, he went in with that. Okay. Mm. So we've kind of covered now that you you have a very, very clear sort of thematic take on you know what you're doing and what your the messages you're conveying in your lyrics. Um, and some of your songs tackle the, you know, similar themes to each other, like Embalmed Crucifix and Disciple of Deceit, uh, Critique Organized Religions, especially Christianity, Arsenic Death and Holocene Extinction, uh, Discuss Human Destruction of the Planet, and songs like Death for Profit and Sacrificial Capital, uh, obviously tackle wealth inequality, capitalism. Uh, but is there a difficulty in returning to similar themes in a way that feels fresh and new? Or like, do you feel that as long as these problems continue to exist, there's always more to say? Like, you mentioned uh, that you have a new album coming out. Uh, and you mentioned that you're trying some new things with metaphor, et cetera. But do you feel pressure to like do something new when you return to a theme or even uh, to think up a new theme to investigate? Um, so <laughs> when I finish an album, I, I felt this way after Holocene Extinction. I felt this way after the cruelty split. I was like, I mean, is this is this well run dry? Is it can I can I continue to write about about these subjects? And and then I just pay attention to the <laughs> world around me and i i get more fuel um more fuel added to the fire so yeah like it, there's times where i think i don't know if i can keep um keep this fresh if you will um but i always end up finding like a creative way whether it's um laying it out or portraying it through like a, a different lens or something like that and like i i mentioned um with our new album i'm trying a little bit of a different writing techniques kind of like i did on the cruelty split where almost playing a character you know i'm not really throwing ceos off skyscrapers or um stacking bodies so high up into the sky that they reach heaven um but uh but yeah so i i think um i'll be able to find uh an endless supply of i there's an endless supply of uh misery in this world <laughs> sometimes so i can i can um always always pull from that and just find a creative way to to lay it out but you do feel a need to at least kind of do something in a way that feels new to yourself or challenges like yourself as a writer yeah oh yeah to totally i think with the with this new album we'll probably see um i mean it's not going to deviate too much from the termination that people come to expect but um i do want to try a little bit a little bit different um you know, different perspectives, if you will, than what what uh, listeners have been previously used to. Mm. 
I mean, one song that is a bit surprising thematically in your catalogue is Revenge. Um, As in contrast to the other tracks, it doesn't seem to be about a specific issue. Um, Rather, and correct us if we're misunderstanding it, um, the track is more of uh, just a discussion of anger at an unnamed individual or group uh, and about a commit, well, revenge, right? Um, So is this correct, our interpretation? Yes, it is. So that's actually a... um... It was a demo song that we wrote, like one of the first songs that we, we've ever written. And I thought it had a pretty good riff to it. Um, and, you know, we when we did our first album, I didn't want to do the um, cliche thing where you record, re-record some older, older songs. But our, sonically, our sound has changed so much um, that we were like, okay, if we, if we do re-record one, it should be this one. Um, and then we should add add to it. So it's like double the length of what it previously was. Um, and it, it sounds totally different. Like you could, uh, from we have a waist seven inch or it's sometimes referred to as our self-titled seven inch, our first um, album. Um, it's on there and it's, it's the contrast is, is pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, that one was was more so just like, um, I it might have been it's been so long ago since since I wrote it uh it, the original version it might have just been with um frustrations about a particular um like a not so nice person that was involved in the in the local music scene that that's no longer involved they've kind of um uh, went on with their but they um were inflicting pain on on some folks that 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 I cared about and I was just like I would rip this fool to shreds right now if I could. And that that's kind of where that, that came from. Mm. But yeah. A little bit different than the rest of the album. Um, but it came naturally because I was naturally pissed off at this particular individual and um, it felt right. So we just, we just kind of went with it. Was it tricky at all revisiting that emotional space uh, years later? Um, so it wasn't tricky because we, we had been playing that song for like, five years um so so it was still in in the regular rotation of our songs but we did feel like we needed to kind of beef it up a little bit so if you um listen to the original version actually hold that thought um that song was written of the demo version was uh i originally started writing it about a uh individual that i was upset with and I think that's where it came to be, but it was from the perspective. And this is, this is crazy because we have nothing else like this. The original version was written from the perspective of Freddy Krueger. Oh, um, huh. so like, <laughs> so like, I, you know, I, I, I do did have not my, expect my, that my, comment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, and I think when, when we wrote the demo, I was just like on a big Freddy, uh, on, on a nightmare, nightmare on Elm street kick, like what in the middle of watching the whole series and just being like, you know, I in terms of um, your horror movie slasher folks, I think he's got to be one of the coolest, right? Um, at least you know the, the the whole like get up and the the uh, the knives on the fingers. It just you just can't beat it. Um, so yeah, it was written as like as you know as if uh, I was Freddy Krueger um, and gonna take somebody out. Uh, so yeah, that funny funny that, that we that we bring that up. Um, but that's the only time I've ever I've ever done anything anything similar to that. And when I wrote it, I, I was like, ah, I don't know if this is corny or not. And it, it, it 
maybe it would have sounded better as a death metal band. I think we um, took out any reference to Freddy Krueger in the <laughs> version. It's just it's just more generic. Um, but but yeah yeah that that's how that came to be. Okay. I did not. Yeah, I. Yeah, I did not expect. I this yeah. was a repressed memory that huh. like <laughs> back, way well, back into my into my. That's brain. appropriate for Fetty Cougar stories, right? Repressed yeah. memories. And... Fair enough. So I guess to kind of like tie all this together, um, if you were to speak broadly about you know Terminations music and and even extreme metal more broadly. Uh, what do you see as kind of the role of of language and lyrics in your art, in in the genre, um, and the wider scene? Um, so I, lyrics can be powerful. You just, I think, um, the more genuine that you are in your lyrics, the more reality based. In, in my opinion, that that I think I think those are um, those are I guess the most valuable um, lyrics that you can come across. Like I said, I pull a lot from. From hardcore and punk, very grounded, very down to earth. Um, I talk about a lot of what I feel, um, a lot of the things that upset me, this, that, and the other. I understand that you know that's not everyone's prerogative, but that's just always what's what's connected with me, what's resonated with me. And I think when you um, talk about things that you've experienced, that you are experiencing, that you um, struggle to see other people experiencing, um, it makes the anger in the music much more much more genuine mm. so like language is, is part of the authenticity of, of what you do in oh, yes yes I, I guess that, that's what i was getting at 100 percent mm. um a part of the authentic authenticity um you know when i can feel the emotion and the anger in in the vocalist um i know that the words are, are not just hollow if you will um and it speaks to me a lot more so i think um you know keeping keeping grounded reality based that that's that's what i love i think uh it makes things a lot more authentic and genuine when you can feel like this person is actually um lived this trauma experienced this trauma seen this trauma um so on and so forth hmm. great well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk through your lyrics in such depth. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you both. I really appreciate you having me on here and and uh, being so thorough and, and in-depth. <laughs> I, I learned a lot about my own music today. So I think that's probably the goal um, with, with y'all's podcast, but I really appreciate mm. it. Time. You know, we, we always, I mean, we, we our, epi- our interviews are so long. We hope that the person being interviewed gets something out of it. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> And I, I'm a pretty long-winded person myself, so I, I think I, I was is the perfect, um, the perfect mashup here. Mm, so yeah, it's a good match. When can people, uh, you know, like start getting hyped for the new album? Where can they go to listen to what's coming up and follow you guys? Um, so anywhere on social media, you can find us Termination on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, we will be recording a new album in the next couple of months, but we will have a new full-length album. But we will have new music um, sooner than that. I would like to say that the full album will be out in 2023 with pressing plant delays and, and, and the way that that, um, that that is right now. There's no telling. But you will get new music 100%, no ifs, ands, or buts about it within the first half 
of 2023 from Terminal Nation. Awesome. Exciting. Looking good soon. Cool. Thank you again. I appreciate y'all. Both take care. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good night. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to Lingua Italica. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders past and present. Mm-hmm.